0: Hello and welcome to Braveheart Conversations,
1: where we learn the art of love through brave and compassionate conversations. I'm Jillian Aurora, And I'm Marie Wallace. And we are your hosts today. So welcome to Braveheart Conversations. I'm so glad you're here this morning with us. Um... Welcome wherever you're joining. We're here live every Thursday on Facebook. You can find us in our group Braveheart Conversations. You can also find any of our replays in that group or Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, all the different places. Um, And today we are going to be talking about um, trauma on children. So last week, if you remember, we talked about leaving a relationship where uh, children are involved and that there's a lot of uh, hardship in that, it's difficult to do. And this week, we really wanna tackle and and honor the topic of trauma in children that happens because of relationships. So you may be experiencing this as a parent. Um, If if you have children that maybe you are now having to co-parent, Um, And that's actually, I believe, our next week's topic is co-parenting with an abuser or someone who's been uh, really toxic to you and your children, uh, because that's a very real reality. Um, But today, we want to really honor uh, childhood development and how how we have been impacted. I'm going to share a little bit of my personal experience. So we have some great wisdom in the room here Mm -hmm. today. I'm not a parent. However... I experienced a lot of trauma as a child. Marie has been a parent and has had to deal with uh, trauma in her children and and as you've grown through relationships, Mm -hmm. learning how to uh, adjust to that. And then I also wanna bring a little little bit of perspective as a mediator where I've seen quite a few divorces happening as well. So we've got some different perspectives Mm -hmm. here. Um, So Marie, why don't we start with, as a parent from the parenting perspective, what um, what has your experience been when you've left difficult relationships and then maybe you know having to send the children back to that parent at times or dealing with the grief that the children feel where maybe dad isn't as present as he was or trying to mm. understand why this happened?
0: Yeah, um, well, this is gonna be a tough one, you guys. Um, I think part of it is seeing your child hurting I it's probably the most tender piece especially because you see the hurt you see the pain and that they don't understand they don't understand why their um, parents aren't together they don't um, they don't understand when fighting's going on you know what's exactly sorry <laughs> um, they don't understand what's going on, especially if it's pretty rocky and the, and the the parent relationship is a little strained and there's emotions and feelings and, and a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. And kids feel that and they take it on themselves and they feel that they have somehow caused this or been a part of this. And that's the tricky part about that relationship is, is navigating all of that. And so um we will get into more detail later about some things that we can do the main one is to to have a lot of conversations with them and let them know consistently on a you know regular basis that it's not their fault what's going on and um, that they're safe and for me as a as a parent to be because i don't have control in that other relation or that other home is for me to be as stable as possible for me to hold my boundaries, for me to grow and learn as much as I can as a person so that I'm autonomous and not relying on someone else for that parenting Mm -hmm. piece. So no matter what happens on that other side, I think that would be the number one thing and getting the kids as much help as possible so that Mm -hmm. they can process their feelings because they're so young and tender and they don't know. And sometimes they can't verbalize, especially depending on what the age is. So.
1: For sure. Yeah. And I remember just from a child's perspective, I remember going through those feelings where um, I was really attached to my dad. I really Mm. felt a strong bond with my dad. And um, yet he was an addict. And um, he had a really awful physical altercation with my mom. And I remember coming home from school one day. And uh, my neighbor was there to pick me up and the police were at my house. And I watched from the window as my dad was arrested for strangling my mom. Mm. And um, that was one of the last times I remember seeing him before he left to Montana, uh, really to avoid a lot of legal trouble. And um, it was very confusing. and, And there was a lot of grief in that. And there was some embarrassment. I remember feeling embarrassed at school. My dad was in jail and um, my dad had these these problems, and so there's a lot to unpack as a child um and and so there's there's a lot to process as a child. then you know your your parent is in the process of healing. This relationship trauma, also right, mm-hmm. and and as an adult, I can see this. As an adult, I can really empathize with my mom and everything that she was going through and how horrific that must have felt for her and scary.
0: Um, and on top of that, they're being moved home to home. Uh
1: huh. <laughs> yeah, and my situation was unique in the way that a lot of children are now are now going back and forth between mm-hmm. homes, and and in my case. Um, my dad had a lot of his own demons that he was needing to address that were in his face. And parenting, just there just was not any room for parenting. So I wasn't shuffled back and forth between homes. Um, But my mom did get remarried very quickly. And we had a whole other uh, chapter of um, a very different kind of abuse. We went into very, very extreme religion. And so I... I took on a lot of, um, patriarchal programming and, and I really, um, I, I really sank into a lot of, uh, very deeply harmful beliefs and patterns that eventually really, um, ended up developing into a lot of codependency for me and my own relationship issues. I mirrored a lot of things, right? We do that mm-hmm. and we pick up what our parents show us mm-hmm. and, um, so you would think that by seeing trauma that you wouldn't repeat it, right? <laughs>
0: you would think, yep. Yeah. No, we do it anyway. That isn't
1: the way it works. Um, we are watching. We, we do pick up a lot as children. So, um, you know, from, from my perspective, there, there was a lot of um, hurt. I didn't understand why I was losing my dad. I was sad about losing my dad. But I also was trying to reconcile... You know, but my dad hurt my mom. And what do you do with that information? Um, and then there's a lot of stuffing mm. that happens. And um, I totally understand that this was a coping skill for my mom, for sure. Like the stuffing and just moving on. I remember, you know, in, in my new family with my new siblings and my new dad, um, it was very much like, pretending that we've always been a family and Mm -hmm. there's no there's no past family and so this very um like blatant denial that there was any past existence i really felt that and as a child i think we pick up on the shame Mm -hmm. and the embarrassment of our parents and that i think would be such a beautiful thing to move move beyond that as a culture and as a society that we accept, um, these very complicated family situations where maybe there are two, two moms or two dads and there are, um, there are past, uh, family relationships that are very valid and there's mom and there's stepmom and there's, you know, dad and there's stepdad and, and, um, so having a greater acceptance of these co-parenting relationships would be so very helpful for children mm-hmm. um, moving forward instead of just really trying to make everyone else comfortable by perpetuating this illusion. Because mm-hmm. I, I do feel like once, once I moved into that new family situation, there was a lot of pressure to be in this illusion and, mm-hmm. and suppress
0: anything that was in the past. Well, which makes it inauthentic and then hard to trust. It's really hard to trust anybody in that situation, especially if you're a kid, mm-hmm. and you know you've already witnessed, um, you've already witnessed that trust being broken when, when the abuse starts happening. Right, here's someone mm-hmm. who's here supposed to protect us and love us, and they're they're harming our other parent, and then then you're then you're having to pretend the whole time on everything. And I had a similar situation. Um, my dad was actually married eight times, <laughs> something like that, and it was just moving from a, one a, one relationship to another with no skills, no, no, um, and he was very um, he was addicted to alcohol, and um, yeah, it just you don't cope well, you don't you don't do things well, you don't treat people well, and you're under you know the influence all the time. It makes it really difficult to communicate or mm-hmm. really you're checked out a lot of times and so you don't you're not really communicating and so there's this constant flood of like you said a flood of emotions and being very sensitive and then you're stuffing it mm-hmm. so that you're just feeling on the verge all the time of tears and explosion of emotion and know where to put it
1: Yep. i think what i can't stress enough is that As parents, um, our ability to heal and our decision and our choice to heal our own patterns and wounds is the biggest um, mitigator of Mm -hmm. trauma in children. Mm -hmm. As we will continue to put them through the pain um, and the trauma, we will re traumatize them the more. Keep that
0: pattern uh, cycle of abuse continuing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if, if Marriage Eight had never. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, and I'm not I'm not at all saying divorce is our wound. I don't believe no. it is. I think that um putting putting ourselves through the same pattern, the same toxic patterns are the problem. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's healthy to show children that when we leave unhealthy relationships, like that's a big skill. That's a really very vital skill. Um but what we often are doing is we're just perpetuating going through multiple relationships, never actually bothering to heal the patterns or the things Mm -hmm. that are are causing the problems. Um, So I'm not at all saying that we need to avoid divorce at all costs because honestly, I think that we're in a a time period where divorce wasn't an option before. And Mm -hmm. so we had to put up with um, rape, and cheating and drug addiction and all sorts of really awful behaviors, um, abuse in in many different forms. It just wasn't ever an option for women to leave. And so I I am very grateful that we have the right now to um, empower ourselves to leave relationships that are harmful. Um, However, we also have the burden of healing the wounds that exist in us Um, Not only for ourselves, but also for our children and the rest of the world. Because when we heal, we really uh, go a great length in healing others as
0: well. So that would be my number one skill. I think until we heal this person and and take responsibility for ourselves and empower ourselves, because that's something that the kids are watching too, is Mm -hmm. how am I handling this? How am I... um, how am I learning and growing as a person, and and functioning in my relationships? That's what's going to help the kids be feel secure. How am I stay making my house a stable, um, safe, and environment to learn and play and grow as well? Because because those are just as vital as anything else. And in, instead of continuing that pattern, and if I don't take the time. To look at that shadow side of myself, how did I end up in a relationship that that was um, that was teaching me right? Mm-hmm. And how did I and how do I keep going in these patterns so that I can stop them and so that I am the parent? Let's see. So that I'm the adult that I really want my children to have access to. I want them to have a healthy parent and a productive... And I want them to have healthy relationships mm-hmm. too. And until I heal this relationship, that cycle is going to keep keep happening.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I want to clarify when I say healing relationship patterns. Because often what women are picking up when I say that is that... Um, You have a shitty picker and you need to learn how to pick better people. That is not what I'm saying. Um, I really believe that um, it is our belief systems that we've picked up that are the patterns that we get to heal. So when I say belief systems, I mean things like um, what the hell do you believe about unconditional love and Mm -hmm. how is that actually um, creating a lot of toxic cycles in your relationship Um, Let me clarify that a little bit. So for me, um, I believed that unconditional love meant tolerating all behavior from my partner and that marriage required unconditional love, which meant unconditional tolerance. And you can see where this leads is, um, well, it doesn't matter what abuse or Mm -hmm. horrible behavior is happening. You will tolerate, you will put up with it because that is love. Um, So coming from that belief system that was a wound for me, until I healed that wound, I would continue to perpetuate the cycle. And that belief system got to change for me in my clarity and my understanding that unconditional love doesn't mean tolerance. It means full acceptance of who they are and what their behavior is telling you about who they are. And my presence isn't actually required for love. So I can fully love someone and accept who they are and say, I love you, I totally respect your path, and it's not a good match for me.
0: Exactly. So
1: that truth allowed me massive healing in my relationships and breaking cycles and patterns. So it is going back to identifying what beliefs I'm holding. Um, It's not a matter of beating myself up and hating myself for whatever relationship decisions I've made. It is coming to the root of these belief systems that have kept me there. It's not about judgment. I don't hate myself for having an incorrect view about an unconditional love. That's part of the programming that is millennia deep, right? That is ancestral programming. And I don't have to carry shame about having it, but I do get to heal it. And I do get to say, man, my life is a hell of a lot better when that belief system gets to be upgraded. So I think a lot of us are stuck in this like shame. Like I'm. And blame. Yeah. Blaming myself. Blaming the other person. Exactly. <laughs> and and that's another way that we get to stop putting children in the middle is that when I am unhealed in that pattern, what inevitably ends up happening is I make the other person bad and wrong. And so then you know I start complaining about the narcissistic uh mm-hmm. ex. And then I've made them, you know, they're on this side, they're bad and wrong. I'm the good empathetic person and I've, I've spoken many times about how i think that this polarization is really damaging this is not about good and bad um, we all have a lot of programming to heal mm-hmm. and i have patterns to take accountability for and responsibility for and i'm not saying that people are not uh, responsible for their behavior abusive behavior does get to be called out as abusive and they, there is 100 percent accountability and responsibility that gets to be taken and I get to take 100% responsibility and accountability for allowing things to continue. And that is absolutely as much of a problem, mm-hmm. as much of a problem, as narcissistic tendencies. Or, you know, I really don't even like the word narcissist because I think that we're labeling... Overusing it. We're overusing it, but it's also um, labeling classic abuse as a mental illness, which I have serious problems with. Um, So anyway, I just think when when we are making the other person bad and wrong, we're damaging the children in a whole different way. Exactly. Instead of saying we all have these patterns to heal. And you know, unfortunately, daddy isn't on the same page right now. And unfortunately, um, you know, I love daddy and daddy is a great person, but he has some things that are unhealed that makes it not a match for me to hang out with him. Or you know he's chosen a different path that isn't a match for me, and so I just have chosen not to be with him. That's a whole different message than you know your daddy abandoned us because he's a horrible person, um, and that that's what happens when we don't heal our own patterns. So anyway, that's a really long. soap. no, break.
0: no, no, it was great <laughs> because I agreed with so much of that. It's it's back to our original thing. What honors us honors everyone. Even honoring someone that you feel it—it's—it's it, own—it's respecting that other person. It's honoring them and knowing that they're on their path and I'm on my path, and we all have healing and growing. And also, when I'm labeling or shoving things off onto that other person, all I'm doing is shaming and blaming them and not owning and response, being responsible for my part in it and how am I gonna go grow from here? we're gonna all make mistakes along the way. Each relationship is going to teach us something. And what this has taught us is that maybe this relationship is not as effective or a good match as you you say it, as another relationship might be. It it may mean that another relationship might be really great for that other person. But what I really wanted to say is it's 100% my responsibility to grow and learn, educate myself, Get out there, get the therapy or help, or get a coach, a mediator, whatever so that I can can heal this wound and help my children better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Be the best parent I can be because I have no control in that other home what's happening. It's up to me to give them that resp- that healing, nourishing mm-hmm.
1: environment
0: to grow and flourish. And then, and it, I don't ever have to say anything about the other person, ever. Because yep. kids are smart, they'll figure it and out. they're themselves. watching your behavior. They're watching my behavior, <laughs> they're watching the other person's behavior, they're, yes.
1: Yeah, so the
0: quote that comes to mind is, don't look for healing at
1: the feet of those who broke you. <laughs> I love it. And I think that we, we're telling our children indirectly to do that when Mm -hmm. we are saying, if they changed their behavior, everything would be fine. Mm -hmm. Because it's all blame on them. If they would be different, we'd be fine. And um, no, we don't need them to be better, to be fine. That's the truth. And I don't need any of my abusers or people that have wronged me in my life to fix their behavior for me to be better. I just get to move forward and write the end to my story, right? Mm-hmm. I get to write the next chapter. I'm the one holding the pen. They're not. So, um, we get to, we get to remember that. We get to remember who's holding the pen, who's writing this story. You are writing the story, not your abuser. They're writing their story to, you know, their own story. And, um, that gets to be a fit for you or not. And that's, that's really, as far as that decision goes. Um, but you aren't reliant, you are not at their mercy to have a happy, healthy life, mm-hmm. that's on you.
0: We have a lot of comments.
1: Yeah, um, I did see we had a question. Okay, so how do you get through mediation with your abuser when you have a no contact order? Mm -hmm. Seems like mediation will be a waste of time. Actually, that is uh, incorrect. Um, I've mediated cases before um, with a no contact order. Actually, there's so there's a slight difference between no contact and a protection order. So um, every, every marriage, or I'm sorry, divorce in Idaho, you'll, you'll have a no contact, it's just part of the process. That's a little different than a protection order. Protection orders are a lot more significant. Um, and there are sometimes there are caveats there that will say, you know, there, a mediation is an exception and you, you can have contact during mediation. However, there are some situations that are legitimately very dangerous, and in those situations, um, I will mediate separately. And um, I don't want to make this all about mediation because that's not quite the topic here. We could, we could go into that more um, on another uh, podcast, but you're, you're more than welcome to reach out for more information specifically about mediation. But um, mediation, I just want to put a plug as a self-advocacy piece if you are considering as a woman who's been in an abusive relationship, um, mediation is a way for you to speak up for yourself in a way that the court system really can't do for you. So the court system has a very cut and dry uh, answer for every situation. It's all it's all the same, you know, one size fits all.
0: And it's a written agreement, right?
1: Well, both of them, mm-hmm. uh, you, you come out with a written agreement. But in mediation, you have more of a voice to say what you specifically want. Um, And mediation agreements can very much be outside of what the the norm or the the laws would be. It's really more needs-based rather than rights-based. And um, that's the the best way I can describe mediation um, versus the court system. Is the court system is all about rights, mediation is very much about needs and trying to find an overlap between the needs of both parties and find a good fit Uh, individually for that family instead of just the one size fits all. So I don't want to go into a lot of mediation because that's not the purpose of this podcast, but it is a great platform to self-advocate as a woman and I highly recommend it uh, for you to have a voice for yourself. Um, I want to make sure I'm not missing any other questions. I have a restraining order too. Yeah, so that makes a big difference. I would just see what, uh, what your specific restraining order says, um, and then yes, there is value in, uh, mediating separately. How do you help yourself heal and your children when you went through a divorce with an alcohol abusive person, then moved straight into another relationship that involved abuse towards them and myself. We are all struggling with anger and feelings from moving on and on our own now. Um, yeah, so this is something I, I feel there's there's a huge pattern here. Um, I'd like to address one piece of it and then I'll turn it over to Marie because I know that she has got some things to say about it as well. Uh, the, the big piece that I see is this. So as women, we get to heal our masculine wound, which is we are relying on the, the masculine outside of ourselves to be our provider. Mm-hmm and when we do that when we make ourselves dependent on the masculine outside of ourselves we give up our freedom we give up our autonomy we in essence become a child looking for a parent to take care of us we must stop that so when i see women who cycle through abusive relationships there's almost always a financial element where they feel like they can't make it on their own and so therefore they find another man to support them and i'm not saying that is the entire dynamic but that's a big piece because we are carrying the belief that we are incapable that we are helpless and that we must have a partner to make it this is not true it's bullshit and it is a deep programming that we're holding and we get to level up in this area and know that the masculine inside of us our warrior inside of us is capable of providing and protecting right we get to start uh, requiring more out of uh you know the jobs that we take what they will pay us uh i don't accept jobs that that pay me small amounts of money i won't do that and Uh, That feels uncomfortable for a lot of women. And we all get to level up in our uh, requirements to access our labor. So that's my soapbox in that particular piece. Marie, I'm sure you have some other.
0: (laughs) I would have said exactly the same thing. It it is up to me to not depend on that other person. And, And it is a healing of the masculine wound. Because at some point, we felt like we couldn't do it without a man. And I'm just going coming from the girl's perspective, that for some reason I could not manage this family, help this pam- family, support this family on my own, and and constantly needing that other person. That's what makes women go back. Um, oftentimes, the financial piece. It's also um, that support, security, all those masculine things that that are, um, we think we have to get something from that other person. And the sooner that you can get support outside of that relationship, and in other ways, there's there's forms in the community. There are ways that you can empower yourself and um, advocate for yourself. And it's the self-autonomy, and that was the word that I had in my head right when you said that, it's my autonomy that makes that keep, me from continuing to go back to uh, a a difficult relationship or continue to go into a new one and uh, or you know go back and repeat that pattern over and over again it's somehow I'm going to get something from this other person the other part I want to address is there's a piece of us and this is our conflicting values that really really wants our family and really loves and believes in family and wants that for our children and It's a wonderful, lovely, ideal to have, but not at no cost, which is what we were talking about too. You have to own this person first before you can get into that healthy relationship and build the family. And until you do that, you're just chasing after something that's never gonna show up because I'm always looking for it outside of myself and not inside. Boy, we both got riled up on that one. Yeah, it's us. It's always about us. I have a hundred percent responsibility. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it, really, when you heal yourself, yes, you are you're putting your children in a much better position. And um, Nicole, I'm definitely not saying that in a way to uh, judge you at all for jumping into multiple relationships. We I've, done yeah. I've done <laughs> <Me> it. I've done it. Me too. <laughs> Lots of times. And and so what I'm saying is. When you see that pattern cropping up, get curious about why. And you're going to repeat the pattern until you heal it. So you will keep jumping into relationship after relationship if you keep continue holding the belief that you're not good enough and that mm-hmm. you aren't
0: you can't capable. Do it on your own. Yeah. You
1: aren't capable and you're helpless and you're fragile. Because that's a belief system I know that I picked up from a really young age because I was told over and over and over, I don't know how many times, women are the weaker vessel. Um, you need a man. Yep, the men are the, the earners, they're the the breadwinners, you need them, they're the leaders, you're, you're not built to be a leader. All of that bullshit was what I grew up with and um, I still sometimes carry that message in my subconscious. So I am very aware of it today and so I will call myself out when I am telling myself things like, You have to do this. You have to take this job. Um, You can't survive without settling. You have to be in this relationship. Um, Stop being a bitch to money. That's what I tell myself a lot. Stop being a bitch to money. That's not an option anymore. You have a choice to either make money your bitch or you can be a bitch to money. And that is my mindset today. So I have that choice. It was not a choice that I saw before. Um, I saw myself as a victim of it instead of uh, being empowered by it. But that truly is a choice, and when we don't make that choice, we do put ourselves at the mercy of a lot of relationships. And so, um, I don't think that financial is the only piece mm-hmm. of that of that programming and that that decision, but it is a big part of it. Um, so yeah. we get we get to look at that gender programming. And that financial programming, and for the people out there who like to avoid uh, healing their financial wounds, take heed right here because this is how it shows up. Mm-hmm. It does show up in your
0: relationships. It wreaks havoc because money is a relationship. It is, <laughs> yeah. Well, and what Nicole said, you're doing a really good job. It's it's it is holding several jobs at one time, and that's really hard. I've I've done it myself. And um, it's it's tough, but just know that it's not forever. It's not forever, and um, just keep seeking outside support as well. And then and then those days that you are kind of not on yourself and you need someone, find that trusted friend that says, "Just get out of this. <laughs> yeah. Get out of this funk. You're yeah. better than this."
1: Because even while I'm telling you to be autonomous and to own your own authority, we also are built for community. We are built as social beings. And so even though I am saying, yes, you get to own your own authority, um, don't forget that there are way other ways to have support and a foundation Mm -hmm. outside of just a romantic relationship. And we turn to that a lot. But really, we need to learn how to have bigger relationships with our our female supporters and our community, um, because that's where we we truly find um, that our way through this, right? We find um, the connections that do build our independence instead of tear it down. And a lot of the time, our romantic relationships um, are tearing it down not maybe intentionally, but we're all running a lot of programming. So many times we're showing up in relationships with men who have a lot of programming also around the belief that they're supposed to to be the leaders (laughs) and that, you know, you're not supposed to be uh, financially independent and all of these other belief systems that just end up perpetuating um, abuse and toxic relationship patterns. So um, I want to make sure I'm addressing... I always felt very independent growing up, said I would never depend on a man, never married either of my exes and stood up for myself all the time, but still fell into abusive relationships. Mm. Yeah, and so this, um, I, I actually hear this quite a bit, where someone will say, well, I was always really independent and this just doesn't make sense, why am I doing this? And this is where we fall prey to that cultural programming that we don't even know is running script. So as soon as we jump into a relationship, then all of a sudden, we do find that we default to, um, oh, the man is the leader. Oh, I'm supposed to share my resources. Oh, you know, um, I, I'm supposed to give up my power. Um, I'm making him insecure by bringing in too much money or whatever the bullshit stories that we bring in, but we bring them in and they wreak havoc. And so again... Um, healing those beliefs and patterns is absolutely fundamental to stopping the cycle and stopping the trauma that's happening um, in your families and and with your children so i hope that that gave some good information well each relationship
0: is teaching us something and we're we're leveling up and moving up so be be compassionate towards yourself too you're learning and you're growing and Totally.
1: Um, okay. So I did want to address just, um, I do question guys intentions now, especially when they are overly nice and caring. So, um, I just really want to stress that this is not about in any way demonizing men or making them bad and wrong. This is about a collective programming that hits both men and women. We didn't wake up as babies and say, I'm gonna choose to have patriarchal programming growing up. It's just, (laughs) that is what we were all taught. And so when I see men operating from that framework, It's not a matter of saying, oh my gosh, you're so awful. Um, But it's just acknowledging, oh, I see that programming. And even though they may not be aware of it, I know the harm that can be done from that programming. So if we can make that less personal, it's not Mm -hmm. about hating them. It's not about hating their belief system. It is knowing the power it has to damage. It is knowing within myself, I know when that crops up in me how damaging that is. And I also can spot it in other people. And I can see very clearly when people have done the work to heal it. And that's what we're looking for is it's not a matter of making people bad and wrong. It's not a matter of, um, fixing your picker so that, um, you know, you can weed out the bad people.
0: There's no bad people. It's
1: not bad people. It's it's being able to spot the programming that causes a lot of damage and harm. And some people are really willing to look at it, examine it, get curious, and heal it. And some people are not ready to do that yet. And so the people that are not ready to do that yet Aren't are a just not anymore. a good fit, <laughs> exactly. It's not about them being bad and wrong. We're all going at our own pace. To heal all of the the programming and stuff that we've been brought up with, and um, there's no judgment to someone who isn't ready to take a hard look at that because it's a really hard thing to do. Um, but I do get to say that the people I want in my space are the people that that are there. They're they're brave enough um, and ready enough to to stare those demons in the face and really do some intense
0: healing work. So. And just be encouraged that there are people out there and they are growing and they are learning and, and expand that vision because it's not an all or nothing. All, you know, all relationships are going to get me to this spot. It's, it's just growing and, and just, just believe that there are people out there that are ready to grow with you and, and the faster you let go of the ones who aren't, the more space there you, you have go. This for, is so
1: true for the people that that are there. So that's been so true for me. As the faster I've been willing to let go of people who don't match um, the the level of growth or the commitment to curiosity
0: or the mutuality, I, like mutual respect, mutual power, mutual. So you you want that person where you're sharing the power, you're sharing respect. Um, because that's how you navigate those tricky waters and get over those patriarchal patterns. Yep. you do it together. yep. So yep,
1: accountability
0: is huge. Find
1: the people that will call you out. Um, find the people that love it when you call them out. you know those are the relationships that are really juicy. So <laughs> they are. Um, thank you so, so much grateful. for being here to discuss this with us today. This has been a really fun conversation yeah. and um, super vital. So um, I just want to give you so much thanks and gratitude um, from, from the bottom of our hearts for being here this morning. And uh, we hope that you'll join us again next week. Again, next week, we're going to be talking about uh, co-parenting with an abuser. That should also be a fun, <laughs> fun, juicy topic. Um, this whole month, we're talking about family relationships and co-parenting and all of those uh, yummy things with with kids. So You're doing a good job us. out there. You're yes. doing a good job. Hang in yeah. there. It's no joke. It's, it's a really big task, and I just mm-hmm. want to honor that in you. There's no right or wrong Not way. Not an easy one. I hope that you find a few things here that really resonated for you. If you didn't you know, like something, leave it out. Take what you like. Leave the rest always. Um, if you have any additional questions for us, challenges, topics you'd like us to discuss, please re- reach out to us individually. You can reach me at defytheaverage at gmail.com. Marie. Marie at mariesgold.com. Yeah, we welcome those. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, I hope you will join us again next week. We will be be here next Thursday morning around 10 a.m. and uh, make it a great week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.